Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. All right, lads and lasses, and welcome to episode 59 of the Roker Report podcast. You join us on the back of a defeat at home to Ipswich Town. Coming up on today's show, we'll be looking at Saturday's loss and the fallout. Tactics is a time for a change in system. The hot topic of protest isn't needed. How are we feeling about our chances of survival? And we'll look ahead to the Bristol City game with some of your Twitter questions f- uh, thrown in. Joining us today, we have the one, the only, Blythe's finest, Connor Bromley. Oh, I, I was wondering you were going to say that when he said the one, the only. I, <laughs> I'm alright, I'm good. I'm wearing the same outfit as last week. I'll no doubt get rinsed for that on Twitter. Look, tin, 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 so, I think. Yeah. A little bit t- like tin, no, tin, I, I actually have got red pants and I will wear them next week. Monday, Why do you think it really tin, annoys me that you call them pants? They are pants. No, they're not pants. But they're what do you trousers. wear under your pants? The trousers under pants. pants. Doesn't make. Anyway, moving swiftly on. James Nichols, how are you? I hear you had a bit of a heavy night last night. I love some of me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hanging a little bit now, but I'll right, be just, fine. I'll get just through. Just for context, James Nichols looks really, really rough. <laughs> and, and we've got uh, Gav as well. Hello. How, how are you doing? Right? Not bad. Just come from work? Yeah. Uh, Hyper because of these sweets we've just been eating. You bought shit sweets. sweets. Shit, what the weren't shit. No, 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 right, but no, these no. fucking space raiders, he, he man. How is space raiders? He nicked spit, me, no, didn't. spit flying saucers. That's one. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. He didn't buy the sweets. <laughs> no, they're really, they're really nice. I think. What's wrong with them? They're just. I'm gonna have one right now on here just to prove. Listen. Nice, nice, nice. Sound like Chris. Lovely that. Right, we'll we'll get on to our three-word review. We have Niall Bromley. Lol, lol, lol. Who's he? That's my brother. Oh yeah. Mark Anderson, one of my best Bellin. mates, two steps back. Adam says, I blame Rodwell. SAFC North Yorkshire says, blah, blah, blah. It's the hope I can't stand, says, descending into oblivion. Craig <laughs> Davies says, slow footballing euthanasia. <laughs> <laughs> Alex McCain says, this is a favourite of mine, R.E. a man. Mark Carrick, not down yet. Martin Thompson, pint half full. Dan Baines, what's the point? Mickey Luff, still staying up. And then Sean mm. Lather underneath says, what the fuck to that? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Stu Tench says, shortchanged again. Ian Ashman says, not good enough. Skeptical Joe says, Coleman failing. Peter... Coleman Pe- is failing. Oh, Coleman. Coleman failing, that's a two-word review. Coleman is failing, so I always do one of them, don't I? Peter Buster <laughs> says, deja vu, but he's put the day and the jar together, so I'm not sure that counts. That's poor Peter. You'll have to up your game. Um... <laughs> Jesse Spector has amazing tweets like sports are bad alright ok Steve N says cannot cross a ball well pretty damning of the performance I would say it was awful absolutely awful I only watched the first half well, the first half on, like first half now was alright I thought I like quite the enjoyed first, the first yeah. half first half now the first 35 I can actually remember turning around my mates two or three times and going this is mint this like we're playing really well yeah, got a look at that we're, we're like holding the ball up up front midfield runners are getting in there we should have scored through Osoro's early chance thought brilliant and then Billy Jones happened <laughs> for the 80th time this, this season he's absolutely dog shit I, I'm so so sick of watching that bloke I mean, God, he must be the best trainer in the world. Like Gav's gone red in the first. Oh, how yeah. many times has he played centre half? He's never fit when he is shit. No, but how many times has he played centre half and played as his bad as that? His first one was that uh, Everton. I think we got beat six two. And it should have been, it <laughs> should have been game anything. over that by then. You know what I mean? And it, like, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily blame the managers. I just think like. He's just he must. He must, he must be the biggest lick arse going, or he's either the best trainer going. The thing I, is, I don't understand it. What, what what happened in the game though? Because we had sixty percent possession to Ipswich's forty. We had ten shots on goal, two on target. We had 
12 corners. Oh my god, the corners. Mention Brian Oviedo's oh corners. Oh wow. Everyone was under or over it, and like the amount of times the ball went from one corner and it pretty much went out the other corner was just unbelievable. It's, yeah. They must think when they get a corner, they must be like, shit, we've got a corner. Like, we're going to have loads to... of corners, though. So what is it? Lack of, lack of skill, lack of technique, lack of, lack of motivation, everything. lack of confidence. Just everything. Everything, one, I think. One I th- nice, perfect storm. I think, I think in the long and short of it, really, when we, we aren't... Hey, the long and short. Uh, <laughs> well, we're not great in the air, which yeah. doesn't help. Jones is our threat to set pieces. Why? <laughs> Why? Did he score? He's he, also... Yeah. At both ends of the pitch because he helps the opposition out. <laughs> well, he was <laughs> pulling shits. He was pulling shits on the corner, particularly in the first half. He was at my end first half, and every time on the corner, I was pulling mm-hmm. shit. And I was like, he's going to concede a penalty. So, so, other than Billy Jones, what went wrong? Because for the first 30, we looked all right. And Coleman said tonight, for the first 20, 25 minutes, we were the better team. We were certainly the more exciting team in the final third. We had a couple of opportunities where we could have had the first goal. That never happened, and then we conceded. So, is it as simple as just conceding? Yeah, well, I think the confidence went soon. We conceded. Uh, and had to, how many times has that happened this season? Look, look so, like, like I said, looked great up until their first goal. Um, the crowd were behind them players were playing with a bit of verve like you know Asoro missed a big chance and I think that maybe some of you know hopefully be taken on the future yeah oh yeah I mean experience. It, I, th- I think a bit more experience he might use his wrong foot yeah if he's on his left um, and kills it around he's fine yeah but I just think I think conceding such a poor goal killed with were, were confidence really mm. and um, it was a typical it was just the type of win we used to get when McCarthy was manager away from home you know, loads of hard work, loads of steel and determination, taking your chances when you get them. There was no sort of, you know, Ipswich didn't have to play well for that win. Yeah. Um, tactically, it was wrong. Um, I've sort of kind of toyed with the idea that three central defenders was good, but now I think simplify it because these players clearly can't play that system very well. Yeah. You're playing Billy Jones at centre back when he's a right back, and then you're pushing Adam Matthews into like this right back, right midfield position. It's just it's not right because neither of them players can play that position. You've got two right backs, you're not playing them in actual like, the right back position. Do, so you're calling for a change in formation. I just think Coleman, to simplify it and go four four two or four four one one, no matter how you want to look at it. Get in some of the creative players as well. He's not playing Aidan McGeady at the minute, and I'm sorry, he's got his problems, but he is what best. But isn't, isn't there an argument to suggest that we're so bad defensively that we kind of need to play three at the back? Yeah, yeah. But we're not, that bad not with four at the back when Coleman first came in. So if you, if you don't interrupt us, we'll have a, um, <laughs> <laughs> we have a play called O'Shea, which you know he looks to be the best defender in terms of positional awareness, being able to command his box and stuff like that. And he has to play in a three for me. Yeah. Because yeah, he's too slow to play too, in a two. Because he's too slow. So our best defender is so limited we have to play him in a three. See, I personally disagree with Connor. I don't think the problem's the three at the back. I think the three at the back actually protects a lot of our players' weaknesses, especially O'Shea in the middle of the three. Browning and Clock Salter, basically, Clock Salter especially, has been signed to be the ball-playing outlet from the three at the back. And I don't think Coleman's going to change it any time soon. If he was going to change it, it would have been on Saturday with yeah. Ipswich. And he had only had two fit central defenders who were recognised central defenders. If he would have changed it, it was then. So I don't think there's going to be any change coming soon. This is his formation. It's his plan, it's and it's, that's what he wants to stick with. That's what he's going to do. I it's, just think know. I don't want to criticise Coleman too much, but sometimes you've just got a uh, you don't you don't have players to fit into your ideals. You've got to fit your ideals around the players. He doesn't have a budget where he can go out and build that perfect team with a brilliant right wing back. He's got a good left wing back in Oviedo, but he doesn't have the I right. Do, back. I do it at Wales. They didn't have brilliant right wing backs. No, yeah, but brilliant he had left it, wing backs. The system at Wales worked though. Like he, he didn't. It didn't initially. To be honest, yeah. though, I think to an, ex- to an extent you're right. He's got to he's got to look at what he's got and get the best from it. But for 35 minutes of that game, there was nothing wrong with the system. It worked fine. Yeah, it was we played through the thirds brilliantly. We got down the sides well. I just think the the issue which plagues Sunderland in every aspect on the pitch is that we're so conditioned to losing games. Yeah. When we go one 0 down, we we expect to lose. I mean. I haven't got the figures in front of us to, to to actually back it up, but I'm pretty sure we've only came from behind and won maybe twice in six or seven years. I think did it, Coleman not say one in three seasons? <coughs> it's been yeah, one one against Chelsea. Ah, that was the three it's, two. Yeah. This is a problem that's gone on for years and years. We we go one nil down in a game, and we do it too as fans. We all know that as soon as that happens, it's like right, what the, right. Yeah, we're game yeah. over. Definitely, and and it must it must eat away at the players too. You know, and whatever they'd been working on all week from after the Birmingham game, 
um, in terms of preparation, in terms of tactics, in terms of how we're going to play. I mean, Coleman didn't have a lot of time with the new players, but I'm pretty sure he went. And, you know, he, he told Ajaria, "Look, you're playing that role. Just go out and play an yeah. actual game." And he did, and he linked up well. And Fletcher the same. You know, get the mm. ball in into your chest, into your feet. Try and hold your man off, and, and you know, hold it up, which we've lacked for a while. To be fair, he done it really well. He's done very well. The early doors, but <clears throat> the problem, the problem, I guess, is that once, once we were one nil down, they all know that it's just going to be difficult to turn around, yeah. and especially against Ipswich. Ipswich are a yeah. proper Mick McCarthy team. We got Mick McCarthy to the weekend. <laughs> just proper, the very yeah. ten, like the none of them are really technically brilliant. I mean, Waghorn, Burst, and Selina are probably the two technically best players. Waghorn's a player we let go and then didn't. Try and sign yeah. the summer. It's just another one of the long-term misdirection Great of the club. Great set-piece take. I mean, I didn't realise until the two games this season how good mm-hmm. he was. It just, it just shows how readily we under, undervalue players, I think. But I think the, the problem for me was that the way we were playing in the first 25 minutes was brilliant. Like The interchanging between the front three, especially. The wing-back support. And, and Ajaria, his role like, as the attacking midfielder, like a really vertical role, like linking very well with Fletcher and getting beyond Fletcher. He had mm-hmm. the early shot on goal, which is brilliant. Mm. Brilliant footwork from him. He's obviously he's got a very strong core. I don't think he's a strong player, he doesn't have physicality, but his core is strong. Oh, I want to get he's good a, on the ball, he's a, hard to push off it. Opinions on the new guys actually, because we had Lee Campton goal, we had Ajari, as you say, in the midfield, Lualoa came on for a Soro and who was the other one? Oh Fletcher up front. Yeah. So what what are we thinking about them? Are we, are we convinced by them from the from Camp. the show? Camp was uh poor. Yeah, I would say very poor. The, the, Another the, pool goal. Could yeah, the second, oh, the second goal was shot. I was in, I was in the ground early and watching camp warm up. Like, how small is he? Yeah, you know that's the first thing. That, first thing that came. Posts. First thing that came to mind. God, how small is he? Um, and then he didn't have anything to do until the goal. Really, nah, with you know, I, I, it was you, right maybe in the could corner, have done better. It was a good finish, like. But then the second one, I think it's just a bit like, is he trying? He, he dived trying? two seconds after yeah. the ball. Yeah. The problem with the first one is the pace of the shot isn't very high, and Camp has ample time to get over at the corner and yeah. just can't get there. That's partly because of possibly his age and his physicality, like his, mm-hmm. his lack of like size. He is he's six foot exactly, I think. Yeah, but he doesn't look it. He just mm-hmm. look. He looks like a bloke who's just randomly came in from Cardiff, not Cardiff <laughs> the football team, Cardiff the city, and just like. I'll play in goal fields. Uh, That's what he looks like. I feel a little I mean, bit sorry he for has any, that presence, unfortunately. I feel a little bit sorry for any goalkeeper who plays for us, though, because when you've got, like, like go back to it, but the way Jones defended that first goal, yeah. and that knocked us to six, like, it's, every, you, you might as well have just blown the whistle there and then, because... When you've got a player you know, turned like that, when you've got a player turned like that in defence, you've got to keep tight to him. You don't give him any room to manoeuvre. You don't let him get on his stronger foot, especially someone like Joe Garner, who is a good player in the championship Yeah, he gives him way too much room and way too much time on the ball and there's there's no midfield coming in to pressurise him from the other side either in Jones' defence like it's not just him who made the problem but his defending is just rank awful I mm. did think at the time the though that as much as Jones was to blame because he, he did give him too much time he wasn't aggressive enough on it somebody's got to be helping him in that position somebody's got yeah. to be pressing the ball like a little bit just so that the he's held the player up and he needs a midfielder to drop and yeah. come and, rec- and cover I, the ball I, I and help exactly the same thing I, but, he gets a yard though and, and he doesn't I don't know it's, I think he's just so slow Billy Jones like in in, in terms of everything I think yeah. like you've got players ahead. I he's just like he's running through treacle Billy he's just Jones. thick yeah. I think like he's a about, defender that's the problem Like Aye. Gary Neville made a career of defending without <laughs> pace you get in front of the player you don't rely on your pace he's other ways you're, you're smart your mindfulness Gary Neville's mindfulness is absolutely brilliant Billy Jones is 10 steps behind every player that he ever plays against yeah he right. just doesn't have the positional awareness to know where he should be at the right time to stop the danger. And because of that, he can't make up for it with speed, well, like Ron Nosworthy did, for example. Ultimately, he's just an average right-back who's playing in... Wait, below-average right-back playing in centre-back, and that's just yeah. never going to work. What, the rest of for disaster. Well. what are your thoughts on um, Lee Catamull and the youngsters as well? So we had Ethan Robson playing again. I, I thought Robson was good for the first start of the game. He was recycling. He, Robson kind of plays a quiet role. He, he, his role is to recycle it deep line from... From deep, obviously, deep line midfielder, he was recycling the game and just keep the game ticking over. But just before the goal, it was, it was Waghorn's free kick, he made a big mistake of in midfield. He had, it was his position was well off, and there was a couple of times where he just made rash decisions or rash runs, and it was it looked like he's he just didn't quite know where to be in the right place. And obviously, that'll come with experience, mm-hmm. hopefully. But he looks like a little bit afraid of his own shadow, like a deer in headlights. And as the game wore on, he just kind of faded. I think too I think, with personally. them young players coming in sometimes the first few games you kind of get through on adrenaline and you yeah. 
you know, he, he can do a lot of positive things. But then now he feels like he's got a cemented place in the team. I think he's thinking he has to do a little bit more. He tried quite a lot. Tried a couple of spree passes, mm-hmm. which we hadn't seen in the first few games. He just don't do them because it's not in his repertoire. Especially if you've got Ajaria playing the way he did. Ajaria was very vertical. He did, there wasn't a lot of, like, when Honeyman played in that attack midfield role against Hull, he was horizontally very mobile. He kept moving off to the left, moving off to the right, and interchanging that way. Whereas Ajaria was just straight up down the middle yeah. third of the pitch, up and down. It's good at picking in that the area. ball up and, yeah. and driving. I quite like this. Sometimes, particularly in the second half, he was picking mm-hmm. that ball up, took it past a couple of players, and he's looking up and there's Nobody. There's nobody. There was there. zero movement from a Soren or Fletcher. I think Fletcher started very strongly. I don't think he's a target man. Typical sort of bring it down on his chest and hold a player off because I don't think he's got the strength for that. Now he got he got pushed off the ball quite yeah, a bit when but trying to do that. His layoffs yeah. and his hold up play is actually quite impressive, yes. especially when he's got players close to him. But then once they scored, I don't think he moved. He just stood. He didn't make a run in behind. I saw or kept making these runs in behind. It wasn't getting utilised. Sometimes they weren't the right run. There was just a little bit of running into space. But mm. he was trying. He was looking for a way through. Fletcher just kind of didn't. He didn't move at all he, for the last 60 he minutes. He doesn't want to get in behind, does he? He wants he's, to get the ball on his head in the box. Mm. But he's, I don't understand because he's very pacey. He's got a yeah. lot of pace. And the, I think there's going to be a misconception with Fletcher where people see that he's six foot five and are going to think he's a target man when he's not. He's, he's, he's very fast in behind. Man yeah. United, when he's in the, in the youth, he made a career in the, in, the lower, in the lower age groups of running in behind, playing on the shoulder. There was none of that. Maybe that's this, maybe that's where he was taught to play. He was instructed maybe to be the man to hold it when a sore was to get him behind. But I just didn't see any of I just think it's all a symptom of what I said before. Heads dropped as soon as we can see mm. the sloppy goal. Yeah, the mental fragility um, is worrying. Really worrying. That that that's something that comes with young players. To be honest, you know that they're probably looking around wanting to be picked up. And I mean, I, I, sometimes when I watch the goals back, I just watch O'Shea's reaction mm-hmm. to the ball. Going just nonchalant. He just stands there with his like shocked with his hands yeah. in the air, like ah, oh, what's like going nothing. on? You know, Catamol's always the same, like clapping his hands, trying to mm-hmm. get people jade up, but there's not but enough there, of it. There wasn't much of that from Catamol. Like if you see against Hull, you, you need the mix, you need the young players, you need the older heads to to lead them on, and then the young players' vibrancy will pull through, and there'll be a nice balance against Hull. Like you see in Catamol pushing over Yedo, like that's just Catamol being Catamol, but he didn't do any of that. He hasn't done that for the season, apart from that game. At he one point, on one Tuesday point against Tull, I remember him like geeing up the players and he pushed up a team out ten yards mm-hmm. to, for, from a corner, and they couldn't like get the ball and couldn't get another second phase of an attack in. It was really important. There was nothing from that against Ipswich. I think Catamol as well. He's making a, a good job of being invisible. I think he's realised that yeah. he's can't affect the game the way he does and, and he's almost going missing now whereas at the start of the season he was involved but he was just hopeless with his passing and yeah he was brilliant against yeah well we're missing against Derby as well. Yeah, but now he's not. He's not even doing them things. I looked at he, against Birmingham. He stats. You know, he was the lowest passer in the team. Mm-hmm. And at the start, yeah, although he was playing poor, that that wasn't the case. And now I think he's almost realised that he can't affect the team in a positive yeah. way. And he's he's almost like like aside from maybe involved. six months under Poyet when Catamol was genuinely brilliant at times. Catamol's never been like the he's he's never been captain or like first name on the team sheet because of his ability alone. He's always been there because of his ability his ability to make others better. And that's just completely gone. It's it's negated. So why? Well, the what uh, is he the, now? The, the loss to Ipswich leaves us in twenty third place. We are one point above Burn Albion, one point behind Hull City, and two points behind twenty first, which is Barnsley. Uh, we've got one win in five, which is the same form as Burton Albion. Uh, and it leads me to a Twitter question actually. Callum J SEFC asks Blackburn got relegated last season on fifty one points. We're currently on twenty five. Can you see us picking up twenty seven points in sixteen games? I've seen this asked a lot and used as a barometer for where we'll end up quite a lot. And I actually think people need to stop doing that because I don't think this season is going to take anywhere near fifty one points to steal. No. Um <clears throat> you've got to, you've only got to look at the we've got I'd like to say one win in five. I don't know what my form was before that, but it was probably just as patchy. Yet we're in it by two points. It just shows the the lack of quality down there. Yeah. Of the two viewings I've had of Birmingham first hand this season, they won't go down. They look too good. They're, they've got too much. They're, they're, they're too strong. They've, the forward line will keep them up. Um, and Cottrell seems to be getting it right. I thought I thought on Tuesday... Uh, they looked all right. They'll they'll stay up and they'll win more, they'll win more now between the end of, now and the end of the season. So we've got to discount them really. I think you've got to look at Burton, Barnsley, Hull, um, and Bolton, and yeah. and then again Bolton. I mean, I watched them. They were in the live TV game. Uh, was it Friday night? Yeah. 
And the, I said on Twitter that they look like a team of cloggers, but a team of cloggers who really, you know, buy into what it's about. And I think there's a, there's a club who've been through a lot of adversity recently, and of Bolton's strength is our biggest weakness. Their their players, like their team, like people like Darren Prattley and Carl Henry, they're, they're strong, like mentally very look, strong. Look how they reacted losing that biggest player. You know, Medine. Medine. As soon as as soon as they sold Gary Medine to Cardiff, everyone. Straight away assume well that's Bolton gone and that's yeah. how they reacted. They reacted with a decent win. Good goal by Sammy Amiobi, but what I'm saying is that they've they they've they know what they are. I don't think Sunderland do. Don't think Sunderland are, are fully up to speed yeah. with what they are. And it probably won't be like that for a while now. And I've I predicted this last week. I actually think that until the heat is on we won't see the best from this team if they if there is another level for them yeah. to hit. I think I think in previous seasons when Sunderland have looked like relegation was a certain team we've stayed up it's because it's got that point in the season where we've had to put our foot down we've had to step it up players like Catmull no shave coming in their own um, I think when the pressure is on that team performs <coughs> we're going to have to hope this one does the same but yeah. if, you, if you look at the first 25 and off that performance we will stay up like that proved to me that we do have at least the quality in parts to stay up, especially mm-hmm. like, definitely better than Bolton Barnsley. Like the teams that I've seen around us this season, like the way we played in our first 25 30 minutes is a lot better than that. The problem is, it's the same team, it's got the, the same ability. Like that game is like a microcosm of our season 25 minutes, absolutely brilliant. For the rest, 60 collapsed, terrible. Just sit with the ball in possession, let the other team sit back and can't break through them. There's, and all. there's a lot of teams like that in the championship, like Ipswich, who come to the stadium alight. And know exactly how to win because it's, yeah. it's not difficult, and the, the championship's full of teams just like Ipswich who aren't blessed with technical ability, but they'll they'll bully you, you know, into defeat, which is exactly what happened. Really, you know, a couple of chances took them game over. That's all you need to do against Sunderland. Um, For now, we may not cut adrift because the other teams are in a very similar position or mm. just as bad. Like we keep saying to each other, like, the, the, how do they keep picking up this win? How does this team keep picking up this win? Like Bolton, Birmingham, whatever. But if you look at their long-term runs, they're actually their forms very similar to ours. They're not picking up points, yeah. and there's no chance any of those six are probably going to get anywhere near 51 points. Blackburn went down on. I think too. It's like when we won at Nottingham Forest. Like occasionally you do, you know, every team wins them sort of games. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not the greatest league in the world, and you can't pick up them sort of wins when you don't deserve it. Like what we it was exactly the case when we went Nottingham Forest. But look at Hull. Hull in particular, I think are. Probably in a worse position than us. I think Definitely. they're probably the one team down there. I think Burton are if they stay up, it's to do with well, it's that Darren Bent having got, an yeah. Indian summer or something in it. And but I think whole whole other ones that I think are in a worse position than us because they are sleepwalking down there. They're, yeah. they're doing really poor. They, I think the whole have been dragged in as opposed to being in the siege mentality since yeah. like the fourth, fifth week a, of the season. Uh, like they've we made have. a stupid appointment as well. I, I don't believe in Nigel Atkins. No. Don't think the fans do either. And I don't very think, uninspirational appointment. Yeah. That. Yeah. I think they needed a. You can a, tell from the players as well that I think the players at Hull think that like the way they were performing against us, they were just they didn't have that extra verve that like, a, new, a new manager bounced to expect. Ron, who's been yeah. in for a little while now, Atkins. It's weird, Hull, because they tried Leon Slutsky, which was kind of like, I mean, I don't want to be nasty, here, but kind of like the hipster appointment, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, he is an excellently talented manager. He, Slutsky, he is, and it did, didn't work out. Not for in the championship. They're just. Just would be better off with him mm-hmm. now, though. I believe. I, I think. Just, I think. I don't think they should have sat him. If 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 the alternative was Nigel Adkins and yeah, nah, I would have kept and under Slutsky Hill were a team that beat Birmingham six one. They were a very inconsistent side, but they conceded a lot of goals. But they managed to concede to score more. Like Jared Bowen yeah. was in the form of his life. Now Adkins has came in. He's kind of just made them another typical stere- like stereotypical boring championship team. Where they're gonna go, they're gonna shit out the way to a point or a victory, yeah. or, and then gonna try the best yeah. and probably not Where's get it. Hernandez? Is he still injured? Is yeah. he out to the yeah. end of the season, or is he? I'm not sure. Because that that could be big for that, them. Yeah, yeah, you've got a good point there. Yeah, he's a good player. That is worrying. Uh, he's, he's good for the championship, but he hasn't really he hasn't really done much this season, has he? Well, he's, he's, in, been he's been injured. Out. He's been injured. Yeah, first I was I was looking I was looking at the table just above that pack of teams you mentioned before. Um, I was just trying to look whether there's a team maybe who could get dragged into it. Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I'd say I'm, I'm not so sure about them. I was looking at Redden. I think Redden are on 32. They points, won at the weekend, maybe. but before that, I thought they were in deep trouble. Well, by all accounts, Stan would have got the chop if he had a loss at the weekend. Yeah. So th- that makes us wonder, you know, if, if it starts to look ominous for Redden, they'll probably sack him, which maybe gives them an advantage. So we're probably looking at 
one of four teams. Right, well, <laughs> above above Birmingham and nineteenth are on thirty points. We've got Reading and eighteenth on thirty two, Sheffield Wednesday and seventeenth on thirty three, and then Nottingham in sixteenth on thirty five. Um, they're not going Chef down. White are kind of the wild card here because yeah, I mean QPR could get dragged into it as well. They're fifteenth on thirty six. It's so not with Holloway in charge. No, no, Holloway's got that though. Yeah. Mil- he took Millwall down with that. They they had a good start. Yeah, the year Millwall went down and then the the totally tailed off at the end of the season. I think so. So uh, I was I was thinking they get Holloway t- side. We seen it in QPR earlier on. Holloway knows the championship well. That Millwall does, side but, was uh, very but, poor. What, what concerns me is that you know pretty much everybody has written Burton off as going down this season. Mm-hmm. One point ahead of us. We're one point ahead of and him, like so. I said, you you never know what Darren Bent's capable of. You know, if they can get him fit and scoring goals, he'll win. It would games. be very Sunderland as well for Darren Bent to send us down <laughs> League One. Well, that, well, that's, what, that's what I said. We were talking in the the Roper Report group chat, and everyone was saying, "Oh, Darren Bent, he's finished this, that." And I was like, "Well, scenes when uh, when he <laughs> propels Burton at safety and we go down." Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's at that age now where he's coming towards the end of his career, but. You've got to think that's a good signing for Burton. And it must you be, know. it must be like we'd have took him, wouldn't we? It must be tiring, like slithering yeah. everywhere as well. Like when you're not <laughs> <laughs> he must exert a lot of energy slithering from. Yeah, what we're saying, he'd pace to do do well in the championship. He can't do pace when you're slithering around no, like that, can you? Can't, so can't. anyway, we're going to take a quick promotional break so you can hear from our advertisers. We'll be back in two minutes. Hello and welcome back. Right, so on to the next topic, protest. Much of the talk on Twitter following the weekend and the end of the transfer window has been about protest and demonstration and the pros and cons, thoughts and opinions on that. Um, A lot of people seem to want some sort of movement, um, but we're just kind of waiting around for somebody to organise it. We canvassed opinion on this, actually. We put a a tweet out. The poll question was, would you support a fan-led demonstration aimed at highlighting the situation that Sunderland AFC finds itself in both on and off the pitch? Um, and we got a little under 3,000 votes for this. It still has six hours left if you want to register your thoughts and opinions on that. Um, but we have 69% lol in favour of yes and 31% um, voting against protest. Nichols, mm. I believe you're in the we should protest camp. No. Oh, you're in the opposite I'm camp. the 31%. And, and Brom, Brom's the 69%. No, what? I, you, you need to rethink this. I was going to say, no, I'm in the... I'm probably in the same camp as Nichols. You said pre-pod that you were going to go at Nichols. <laughs> what? <laughs> I heard you really want to go at Nichols. Gonna have fight you now. Don't like him. Well, I can play else, devil's I advocate. I mean, now I am sort of in the pro camp. I would say when I say sort of, I think it's because just seeing it's protest is yeah. isn't quite clear enough for me because it wouldn't be like I'm not talking about rocking up at the Murray Gates with banners and bedsheets and all the cringe that comes with it which is what to be honest having monitored the comments on that tweet today a lot of them have been like oh that's mag behavior or what's the point it's going to achieve nothing uh, we need but, to get away from that really don't we? yeah that's that, that to be honest if it ever did happen which god knows it might it might happen you don't know um if, if things worsen i can certainly say there'll be more calls for it um i think if it does happen, it has to be a demonstration, not mm. a protest. And the wording of that's quite careful, because protest to me would indicate some sort of like you know pitchforks type, yeah. Simpsons, being for blood. I in the day we all know Ellis Short doesn't bother to attend games. He's not going to be sitting in the office while everyone's standing outside shouting his name. So it's pointless. Back in the day when people protested against Murray, he did go to games. Yeah. So there was a point in that. And um, Murray faced up as well. So yeah, yeah. But for me. It, if anything happens, and I mean there is there is definitely a thirst for this to happen. Um, well, like you say, nearly seventy percent of the people who voted on that poll, and I mean, I know it's only a small amount of people, but nearly three thousand represents quite a lot of Sun fans, really. So, yeah, it does. you know, you've got to you've got to think that if you if you polled another twenty thousand, it would probably be around the mm-hmm. same figure. Um, you've got to think that the people people would want to do something, but for me, I think it would have to be more a demonstration of who we are. Mm. The fact that. You know, there's, there is a big fracture in the fan base at present, and yeah. people don't quite know the where to look, where to point. We are lacking leadership at the top of the club, and I think if it was, if it, if it's me trying to make my point, my point would be that 
as a fan, I don't feel like the club communicate with me enough. Mm. Well, this is this is the, where Andy, yeah. one of our writers, Andy, comes in with this tweet. You can follow him um, at SAFC Source. He says, I think highlighting it to try and improve the lack of coverage of the club situation is the best we can do right now. Protesting against Short himself seems pointless to me as he doesn't want to be there anyway and it won't make a difference without the potential buyer. Yeah, so he's right, he's right. I mean, people want to, if anything, just show the world because I know everybody knows that Sunderland are crap yeah. but nobody really knows the reasons for why and nobody understands the reasons for why and like if we, you've got to look at for instance the other week Hartlepool um, you know when it was announced that they were desperate for funds to to stay alive that the football world rallied around them yeah. I'm not saying that's what Sunderland need but when, think- you, hi- when, you, make, when you highlight something and you, and you make a deal of it people take more notice and I think that the, number one for me is that the club at the top level need to there needs to be leadership shown um, to us as fans. You know, I, I've ne- you never see or hear Ellis Short. Football so, leadership as well, not just business leadership. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, back in the day, Niall Quinn used to go into social clubs and meet the fans and spoke to fans every day when they passed them in the street. Mm. I mean, other than pre-recorded interviews on the club website, we don't hear from Martin Bain. So it's all kind of left to Chris Coleman, who at the end of the day... Is the right man? I think pretty much every Sunderland fan can unanimously unanimously agree 100%. that Chris Coleman is the right man to we lead this Chris. team forward. But at the same time, above him, there needs to be something else. There needs to be something else to look upon. Like there are our most stable clubs. Sunderland aren't a stable club, but we do need to see more leadership. We had we had Red and White Army, um, the the fan group who kind of who came in and wanted to. I think one of the main aims was to to set up a structured dialogue. We had Andrew Hurd, um, one of the uh, the organisers on the show. And that sounded all very um, promising at first. Uh, I think that they've met Bain, haven't they? A yeah. couple of times, yeah. But uh, I think the minutes have been posted from the meeting, so I'd encourage like every Sunderland fan to, to go out and have a have a read of them. But do you think that organisation itself is enough? Because that's, you know, it has wise men saying there, it has ALS, it has us representatives. Branch liaison support groups. Exactly. Support groups. It, it, it has, you know, an mm. LGBT representative. Mm-hmm. So do you think that organisation alone is enough? I don't think that's why that organisation exists. I don't think they ever set out mm. to be a protest group. No. Which is... I don't... You can say what you like about the way that membership was recruited for that particular group. Um, I think a lot of people who signed the dotted line thought, yeah, yeah, I'll be a part of that, probably thought that in times like this they might be able to look upon the Red and White Army to, to act, maybe, no. upon people's feelings. Um that that that's the issue, really. You you hear all these comments from people who want to, who want some sort of protest or demonstration, but nobody knows where to turn. Yeah. No, I mean, people we get it every after every game when we get beat. So do Love Supreme. So do Wise Men Say. They all get the same. We all get the same tweets from people saying, "Come on, organize a protest." Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just looking around for somebody to do it. I mean, I'd, I I wouldn't know the first thing about organizing a protest. I write for a website. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I mean that. What we do have is we do have a genuine outlet to be able to voice it. To be able to voice, yeah. So if to be if there was something worthwhile and meaningful that you know sounds like <clears throat> it could be of use, and you know the, the point of it is there for all the same, it's yeah. valid. It's not just a case of like I want Ella short head on spit. It's not no. that. It's if, if they came out and said what we want to do is we want to demonstrate against the way the clubs ran. We want to demonstrate to show how you know. Much were behind Chris Coleman and the players, then yeah, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind helping them along the way and and you know spreading the mess- helping them spread the message. But I think I think it's difficult because we're all. I mean, you can probably you can probably sift through them comments just to display this. But everyone's on a different yeah. page. A lot of the people, a lot of the people who are replying to it are like who who aren't in the protest camp are saying, "Well, what's the point? What what use could it possibly do?" And I think from my perspective is. If two thousand Sunderland fans gathered to sing pro Chris Coleman songs, pro Sunderland songs, you know, showed in front of the cameras and the media that were there looking on what we're about, then that would spread a good message. It would mm. spread a positive yep. message, and that I think I think that can be just as important as getting your bed sheets out and th- scrolling short out on it. I think if you look at the kind of successful protest movements within football that have gone on for good things like Swansea for instance obviously it ended up um, the club uh, the club selling to the fans and the fans burning them out but that worked because they had a core objective which every Swansea fan was on the same page as mm-hmm. whereas it, judging from the comments as you've said on the Twitter 
uh, in the response to this poll. It doesn't seem like Sunderland fans have that at the moment, which is fine. You know, you work with what you're given, but until we have that common kind of identity and objective, I'm, I'm not sure. It's the same with Hull. The Hull fans had the City Till We Die protest, yeah. and the whole thing was designed around... It's now developed and getting Asamalam out, but the whole thing was designed around stopping Hull City being na- renamed Hull's Tigers FC. Yeah. They had a clear objective in sight. They had po- they weren't polarized. They had unified aims. They went there to protest, <clears throat> and it was successful in stopping Alam renaming the club. Problem with this is that it seems to be a lot of people are wanting to protest or wanting to demonstrate. However. Because they want to voice their opinion, because they're worried about the club, and I think Hartlepool's situation is a bit of a red flag. Worried we might go yeah. down, we might go into administration. This might happen to us, and this is why people are wanting to, to protest. And I must preface my, all of my opinion on the protests right now is because there are no aims. There is no nobody's went out and said this is what we're going to do. This is why we're doing it. This is how we're doing it. And if something like that gets maybe planned in the future by whoever, I'll read it and I'll decide whether I support that from there. But right now, I'm. Um, Against protest, I think I think we need to get we really need to get rid of and away from and condemn this. Or I would like to anyway. This kind of like protesting is a, a mag attitude because it's just so counterproductive for yeah. everybody involved, and it's not really a mag thing to do. Yeah. It, we all love I mean, there's been protest dotted around the course of history, really, and it's it's just so counterintuitive to call other Sunderland fans mags when they're clearly not for wanting to protest. Do you know... It doesn't make sense to me. The main thing that makes me think a protest won't work is because I go to every home game and used go to most... Well, all of them as well, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't get a sense from the crowd. And, and we're in this group... We're in, like, a, a fandom group, right? Pretty much. The people who listen to this podcast, people who read our website, love Sunderland, read everything every day, and yeah. they're the ones... They, they don't represent every Sunderland fan. So yeah. the ones who go to the matches on a Saturday... You know, there's what twenty five, thirty thousand people there. A lot of them aren't as emotionally as involved in us. It's just so, a day out for a lot of people. Isn't yeah. It? So yeah. you, as much as we can talk about a protest, oh, the fans, you know, go out in the thousands. The actual reality is, is if they did do a protest, there might mm-hmm. be a thousand, two thousand people there, and it, it doesn't actually represent the views of all the fan base. The whole fan base doesn't necessarily want it. If you feel that atmosphere within the ground. At the, at the matches then I think that's where a protest yeah. would come from but at the minute that's I don't feel that I don't know if you feel it's it it's not poisonous Maybe it's I, just apathetic yeah I sit with the old people in the top tier like I mean, so I'm in the, because of that but. Yeah, I'm right in the back of the south stand where like, the majority of the singing is and it's mixed the start of the season started off like especially against Derby like the atmosphere up there was brilliant mm. absolutely brilliant they were going for it like, they've seen the players they've seen the way they were playing against Derby who were a good side who were a fancied side for promotion and as the season wore on I think Bonzi maybe was a Bonzi away was like the turning point when everyone oh, realised how shit the season would be. It became I, more apathetic. There was an anger. Like yeah. last, like at the 85th minute, yes, against Ipswich, like the South Stand is usually the most packed part of the stadium. Like, like for every one seat, there's three people there. That's why the b- b- bottom rows are empty because they're all in the back. And yeah. around me, there was three rows. Like the three rows for me would like end from stair to stair completely empty, mm. but, and I've never seen that in there before. I know it's kind of like you know I'm I'm loath to to heap praise upon them, but you look at Newcastle; they're not having the best time at the moment either in the Premier League, and they've got Rafa Benitez, so that helps. And well, I was in the press box for the um, for when they unveiled the banner against Burnley, and I, I found it a bit cringy, but that's probably because I'm a I'm a Sunderland fan. Yeah. But with the intention me, was there yeah, though. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. With, with me neutral head on, I was like, I would have thought if I was an outsider looking in, fair play to them. They've turned out fifty thousand, fifty thousand screaming yeah. Geordies, nevertheless, <laughs> and they've got that banner out. And the, and to be fair, the banner looked good when they eventually got it sorted. It well, took them ages. The to Geordie get nations come oh together. God, did that banner take I them a long them. time to get sorted? I stuck up for them on that because I think, like you say, it was cringe. The, the logo, the the. The right, the right, the whole message they were trying to display. I think it was it was pretty cringeworthy it's pretty, what it was. Pretty written as well. Yeah, yeah. but the intention from was a man there who tried to bankrupt the club once as well. I, I actually, I actually admire them for sticking up for what they believe in, yeah. especially knowing, especially in like knowing what I know now about Sunderland and how difficult getting something like that off the ground would be for our support. They don't, they they they've made no secret of their feelings on my Ashley, and like one one of the things people say about any potential protest that Sunderland is well what's the point because we all know that Ellis Short wants to leave anyways well Newcastle fans know that Mike Ashley want to leave mm. but they make no secret of it and they're still very vocal exactly. about it the- and uh, we, we could do we could do with 
with just our fans being a little bit more vocal about what they believe in, I think. Do you know Gavis Lee Lawler? <laughs> Do you know why the Newcastle one's so good though? <laughs> it's because that image Yeah, I'm laughing about that Lee Lawler thing. Because the image though can is being passed around everywhere because they've made a statement, but they haven't protested in the sense of going outside the ground and going with picket signs and Not kicking yet. off. They've Not done it in a way which can be passed around and people can see the message. Just smash and that's up the, and throw the shirts in the river. And I saw I saw a good point on Twitter earlier. Some some people are suggesting that because they've been so constant in the anti Ashley campaign yeah. is why they get so much national media coverage on the particular subject. They were also football's darlings of the nineties, so then <laughs> you've got your favourite second team. I, I mean, this all spanned from comments made by um, George Colton on Twitter yesterday, the Times writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He was at, he, someone was kind of having a pop at him saying why don't the national media um, cover Sunderland particularly and he was like well I'll be honest with you, you one anymore. you're not in the Premier League yeah. and two I've not been sent to cover you um, and then he, and then he like, people like to get on journalist box and say yeah. why aren't you writing about Sunderland and such like well you have to get sent there by he, by he suggested first. he suggested that if there was a protest that there would he would be sent to you know report on it my problem with the, the way that we're reported wider the wider like national feeling about Sutherland is that we aren't reported on very much but when we are reported on we're a laughing stock to everyone mm. and everything and deservedly so for the way we've shit house relegation tried to avoid relegation the last couple of years the whole Byrne and Johnson case like, there's lots of reasons why we're a laughing stock but even when you hear from Sutherland fans who are in the media themselves or Sutherland fans who are in, in, in national elsewhere to them we're just laughed off how empty the stadium is just how bad we are there isn't any cause for well why there was a there was a good Rory Smith article on why what happened to Sunderland it, it's nothing new to Sunderland fans we all know why but it was just, just good to get the, our plight out there to the, to the wider football and world like, hmm. people in the Premier League are in a Premier League bubble everything's about the Premier League you don't realise like we didn't you don't realise just how bad it can be for some clubs lower down the leagues hmm. until it's too late so one thing I will support in this idea, although I'm personally against the protest, is that we need to raise awareness. And who else is going to do that but us, Sunland fans? Mm. Nobody else cares about Sunland. Which, which is why I've said it's demonstration that's needed. Yeah. And if, if there's going to be anything, it has to be like let's gather and show who we are. Yeah. If it is rather than rather than saying we want this and we want that. Yeah. If it is like a big know. protest of like bed sheets and people shouting different things, like one saying bed, one saying short, one saying money, one saying get out, one saying sell. Like, unorganised disorganised just like angriness that's not the way of doing it that's gonna that's quite it can be quite destructive let's just all organise a big piss up we'll play Nile Quinn's disco pants <laughs> and we'll dance around a bit yeah. and I reckon that's a good demonstration like, we said in the first half of the podcast how mentally fragile the players are numerous times and it's clear it's abundantly clear to see, so, see that imagine how they're going to be impacted under an atmosphere like that and it does affect the players mm-hmm. 100% it will affect the players James you, you mentioned um, the the uh, empty stadium uh, Rhys Benson asks a question on Twitter how many people do you think will renew their season tickets in League 1 going to be a real strange atmosphere having 49, a 49,000 seater stadium running at 25% capacity during those home games if even that I if genuinely that. fear fear for our that's going to be a massive stability that stadium could be a massive millstone around the neck I just, I just think League 1 football is could be the death knell of this football club I yeah. do it's already like a white elephant in itself yeah. when it's empty on a Saturday well, look at was it Darlington who built that big stadium? Couldn't get yeah. up the leagues, fell into financial trouble, and that that stadium was the death of the club. There was a there was a tongue in cheek comment on Twitter the other day that if we go down, which is feasible, and Spennymoor get promoted, which is entirely feasible, there'll be one league between Sunderland and Spennymoor next mm-hmm. season. It, <laughs> if there's any sort of anything that you know indicates just how far we fell, it's that to me that. I could be talking about the Sunderland spending more game in a couple of years' time because, I mean, would it surprise anyone if we got relegated? Well, no. N- not at all. It's <laughs> a distinct yeah. possibility. As as we were saying earlier, we're one point off Burton who are last and, you know, we've been down there all season. Yeah. If, it, if, if the players still play the way they are now, it remains a certainty. We, we must Maybe. have, in all of the championship clubs down there, we must have spent next to Burton the most time in the in the relegation zone. Probably. It's, I don't, I, I don't want to be too negative and I do... I do honestly I back Coleman I think if we do stay up this season it'll be through a late rally with him leading the charge I do mm. think he's that type of manager Hopefully. I think I think we've got to kind of just remember the bigger picture really that was the first game for a lot of those players yeah. Luar is not quite fit Williams isn't quite fit <laughs> Coney's apparently committed 
I mean, he was poor against Birmingham, but when he's fit, we know what he's capable of. There are things to cling on to. The problem I've got is we have no talisman at the minute. We have no we don't player have who we can look around. to and be like, right, you know, like even early, in the early stage of the season, and I was a tr- detractor of his, but at least when you were grabbing it, score goals. McGeady as well earlier on in the season. Yeah. Yeah. The- you've just got to, you've just got to kind of hope that it all meshes together eventually and, and what we're seeing now isn't the final product come towards the end of the season everything will work and it'll all tick nicely and like I say there's only two points in it I mean it could get a lot worse if we keep losing games we're not cut adrift we're not cut adrift segue them both like protests dictionary definition isn't like the idea of standing outside somewhere big massive group that's just a form of protest protest is merely to voice one's objection at something we it could work if it's merely voicing their objection like that, and it's not just a huge, dirt, like dirty mob. But uh, my fear is that Coleman's success around Wales was what built around this marketing campaign, the hashtag Stronger Together. It wasn't just a marketing campaign from the Welsh FA. Coleman instilled this in his players and in the fans. His whole idea is about galvanising. He uses his charisma, which he's got in abundance, to galvanise the fans, to galvanise the players. And my fear is that if the fan base is too divided and the club becomes too fractured which it already is horrendously fractured that just wouldn't work um, it, it could just impact from the I, I even think, worse play I think um, the fact that he talks about the co- turning the corner the corner will turn mm-hmm. that's yeah, where he, I he promised that we will yeah that's where I get my point. sort of hope from because like I knew there was going to be pain like this season. I think we all knew there was going to be pain this season and the yeah. pain's been far worse than what we expected and it might go on for a bit longer. But with him at the helm, the the pain, I think, will go. Like, yeah. the, the, there is a, a light at the, at the end of the tunnel. Provided he stays in I was, charge. I was yeah. going to say, do you think that pain and will go in the, in the tunnel will be... The corner will be turned in League One or I think is it going to happen Chris in the championship? Coleman was worried about that, he would never have taken the job. Like, I think... He wouldn't go at this point because no, he's invested. He, t- he took, a, much. He took a, a stupid job, really. He took a stupid risk taking the job, but they're in a position if they go down where you know he could build it up himself. Yeah, he's already and he's get the siege mentality. The Look well. at you know Leeds went down, Wolves getting down, Norwich, Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday. It it doesn't. We think it will kill the club, but it doesn't kill the club. No, no. Once you start, central. yeah. Once you start winning yeah. some games, the people start coming back, and obviously it seems <laughs> difficult to think of winning games, but the pain will end and whether that ends with staying up this season and building from there or going down and having to rebuild in League One That's the a good pain point. will I go I think the perspective is, is important because people are so afraid and pissed off it's just because of how shit the season has but been we, we do it when we come into this room every week don't we we yeah. concentrate on the game we usually we've lost we talk ourselves into a kind of depressed stupor and we all leave thinking fuck's sake shit but we do have to as you say James kind of look at the wider picture and I agree with Connor. I think it will change at some point, but Coleman's a very talented manager, and mm-hmm. I think going to be offers elsewhere. He's I only going to go if somebody comes in for him. Mm-hmm. I don't the think way this turns around for me this season is big, big one as well. The way it turns around for me this season is if we can pick up momentum by win, put put two victories together. Yeah. And you're talking about a different animal. We're the only side in the league no. that hasn't won two games in a row this yeah. season. Coleman, Coleman to me seems like the type of manager who, with a bit of change in the bank. You know, with with a couple of couple of wins under his belt, back to back maybe, um, could could galvanise, could foster that that siege mentality. Yeah. We're, we're kind of playing the championship to the way that you play the Premier League. The championships actually, if if you look at the championship, every team has strings together runs of form, either good or bad. Like Redden had a run of form where they didn't win in eight, and then earlier on in the season, Wolves have had one where they did win in eight. Sheffield United have had both. Every team, like it's it's troughs and flows. Every single team has it like that. We're the only one who hasn't. We're just consistently inconsistent. Yeah. One win, one defeat, one draw. One win, one defeat, one draw. Yeah. Under Coleman, anyways. I think we're, we are. We but do have to remember that under Grayson, we never won a game. Oh, I cast that out of my mind now. I but, can't deal but with him. If you if you if you if you kind of separate that and you look at just what Coleman's done, yeah. You know, he, the form has been patchy, but it's been better. Well, actually, you know, if Coleman's there at the start of the year, we're on pace for forty-nine or fifty points. So, <clears throat> although not great that would have been enough to keep up this season so yeah. well, that, that gives me a bit of hope as well I remember talking to Ben Dudley when we signed Coleman he's a he's an avid Wales fan he follows Wales home and away no matter where they're playing and he he watched I think he said he watched every single one of Kate Coleman's games in charge except one he was there watching the team right. he said 
for Wales, it was long term. At first, there was shit at three at the back. At first, it was one draw, then one loss, big heavy loss at the six one defeat to six one. I think defeat to Serbia it Serbia, was, yeah. and he nearly got the sack. But then he found the system that was right. He got the he got the players in that system, and it became long term. And we just have to hope it can come long term for us, and we can somehow just stay up the skin of our teeth. The impressive thing with Coleman as well, and that that well story is the fact that he got them right mentally as well, following the death of Gary Speed. Yeah. Now this this Sunderland group are shot mentally, but not to the extent where somebody's died for God's sake. So yeah. so for me that gives me a bit of hope as well that he managed to turn that round from that horrible horrible situation mm-hmm. and get them players playing. Surely he can do the same with you know a Sunderland side whose only real problem is the lack of confidence. And one one of the one of the things you said stuck with me there. How many um, points did you say? Coleman would have had if he'd have Four, been here. Forty nine, I think it was. Forty nine on well, Twitter. Like. Well, the, <laughs> the next, the next game, Bristol City, they have fifty one already. Kind of, well, are flying high in the championship and sixth. Form's Hope's, not great though. What sorry? Form, no, form's not great. They've won no. one in one in five. Um, they've really slipped. Yeah, they've kind of slipped. So, mm, as played, had played so many teams before back we played in the them. As had season. Cardiff before we played them. As did Sheffield yeah. United before we've, we played. We've played them. so many teams back yeah. in the form this season. So I would ignore that. Really, I think, I think my my worry with this game is that physically Bristol City are very imposing with struggle against big teams yeah but phew, I still don't know what to expect from these new players to be I'm honest say who plays well, he's got, you know you could be talking about Luar Luar and Williams playing maybe I don't have a clue Every, I, personally I'd keep it for, as similar to the other day Honeyman comes in me hopefully me. any any defender is any single defender in the team has got an inch of being anywhere near fitness they're coming in for Billy Jones yeah but, Billy, Billy Jones can't play Billy Jones can't play if there's not another centre back yeah. fit because he, he, he can't he just it doesn't make any sense to bring, bring Rodas in he wants to play centre half doesn't he I would rather play nah, Billy Jones, Jones. <laughs> <laughs> you've said before you didn't want to talk about Jack Rodwell I know you've yeah, got to keep Lee Camp in there as well yeah I'm, I would, for the sake of continuity uh, yeah I would keep knowledge. Camp just for continuity I would, get, I would take out Jones and Robson I think Robson was a little bit deer in headlights for me I, I don't know if I would keep Camp in to be honest you can't know. drop them after one game otherwise you've got three goalkeepers who's yeah it's exactly what Grayson yeah, done you can, you can certainly just explain it to Camp in that he's you know he's, on, to, he's on top of this on top of this you know what we don't know what the team will be Coleman's got to juggle with the fact that he can only pick five loanees in the squad which yeah. is going to plague us every week I mean I saw Johnny Williams walking around in his suit the other day he wasn't in the squad I think the un- well I don't by the think time this, by the time this goes in he might have already goes out he might have already played for the under 23s tonight um, I suspect if he plays for the under 23s then he'll probably play on Saturday I don't know about Williams because Williams was brought back too early on two or three occasions by Grayson because he had to be he knew that he needed him and he was yeah, brought back too early and he lasted 20 odd minutes and was injured again I don't think Coleman's going to take that injuries, risk he played, he played a couple of weeks back though didn't he you know like, I think I think that is him taking his time what did, what's his injury shoulder injury yeah Coleman yeah. said at the time he said he's uh, you know he's done the good thing with Johnny is he's kept himself fit because he's been able mm-hmm. to run yeah you know, you know, it's just, he, the problem is that he com- it's contact, contact wasn't it contact yeah, yeah. And as you said, Bristol City are huge and they played very physical, <coughs> especially at the top end. We've got Aidan Flint, Bailey Wright, and Nathan Baker, who I think actually Nathan Baker might be suspended for the game. He's sent off the weekend. Mm. But Aidan Flint is literally a man mountain. He, he is like, he is, oh. he's looked like he swallowed a door. He's a Premier League centre half, isn't he? For me. Oh, he is. He yeah. was unbelievable at Swindon. Joe Bryan. He's, he's good left back. Great player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aiden, I remember I followed Aidan Flint's development for quite a long time because my dad used to be a Swindon fan when he was a kid. All right. He's from down there. And like, he wasn't enough, enough Flint's been a fan but he's from there so he followed the team and uh, Flint's clever defender he's not just huge he's not just a physical presence in both boxes I mean he scored what 10 goals if a season watch, on average um, but he's smart as well if you watch the, the Man City cup tie the other week the the leg it the Yeti had he made a clearance off the line that was just unbelievable Brilliant. the headed one off the line yeah. and it was just phenomenal like he, had he was no actually right quite unlucky for the goal as well. Yeah, like with that clearance. Oh, he's a good player. I think we will struggle with him, like on corners. It's it's yeah. it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's the attacking threat of the centre back that's going to that way. Br- Bristol <laughs> Bristol City have scored thirty three goals this season in the Championship. We have scored, I think, about fifty one, fifty two, something like that. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. They've they've only conceded nine. So ah, oh, so they've they've conceded nine goals all season. Nine goals all season. Not, that's all right. Yeah, no. that can't that's be right. Stat, that's the stats I've got here. That's the that stats that you gave us in me, in me sheet. Guys. That would be that would make them top of the league, surely. You can't nah, that'd be form table. That yeah, that'd be on form. Thirty-three nine. I've got here. 
I think. Oh no, that might be a way. Actually, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's a way. That's a way. That's a way goes conceded. This is this is the kind of professionalism you don't get on the Tory football show. No, that's not. It's not. Now I'm just I'm just looking at it now. Bristol City's goal difference is nine. Ah, right. Well, see, I don't have the things. You see, the way you've dropped this table and the way you produced the show, Gav, it's just very good. How we must do better. Come on. They're, they're level with Fulham and well, always on 51. Uh, a win would take them if Cardiff don't get a win. They need a win to solidify the playoff position. Yeah, they need a win to get some form back as well. Yeah, well, they've got they've got Preston breathing down their necks now. You know, Preston get a win out the weekend. We beat Bristol. Yeah, that puts probably puts Preston Preston in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, thing is with Bristol City, what one of the things that could go against them is the fact that last year they, they had a, kind of a similar season they started really well though this yeah. year it's continued in the middle that just had a horrendous period <laughs> went for like 20 games or something so yeah. you never know we might get lucky we, might we, be need, we do I mean I know we say it every week but we are so desperate for a win I mean you look at the table the difference a win would make even you, you're on about taking us up to 28 points which would if results, results went our way would take us out of the bottom three can you believe that? Like we're that close to getting out. We've kind of been in and out the bottom field since Corbin's game. <coughs> we've, been, we've been out a few times, two or three times we've been out. And this is the time Birmingham, for us to perform. I think Birmingham might do do teams like us a favour, really. Uh, if they keep up the form, they're going to drag yeah. Redden into it. You know, We've had a home win, now we've had a loss, an uninspiring loss, and then we're due another win again. Because that's what it's like, and, and no, that's what it's been like. like. A close defeat, and then a <laughs> yeah, okay. close defeat or draw, worst, and then a win. Worst case would be that we'll lose Burton... Uh, who are they playing this weekend yeah they're away at Ipswich probably go and win and we'll go bottom of the league league. that'd be nice right I'm going to go around the table and ask everyone for their score predictions and I'm also going to ask for a description at the end of your score prediction it's going to last 20 seconds I'm going to time you and I'm going to cut you off just to see who comes up with the most convincing argument I'll be the judge if that's alright go on then right who wants to go first Connor just 20 seconds <laughs> on a prediction no 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 you, you say your score prediction and then you state your reasons why within 20 seconds and then I'll cut you off so oh, you've got to be oh, concise this, this wasn't reversed I can do it reversed reversed I thought I'd throw you as a curveball I'll do it curveball. just to make up for me like getting the, I, do I have the to championship do table spend... saying Bristol have conceded nine goals <laughs> I've just spent 20 seconds like calling you names you can do it if you want but you'll not win any fucking prizes I'll tell you what's the prize my gratitude. <laughs> you can have the last. Um, Take the twenty seconds. Call them names. Space. The four thing. What is it? Flying saucer. Little sherbet in. Add the last one. Yeah. Winner gets that. The winner. Oh. The winner doesn't have to bring the sweets in next next week. Oh well, it's yeah. my go actually. So all oh, yeah. that the stakes are there's high. A, there's for me. a character. The stakes are high. Oh, no, go on. Right, James Nichols. You have twenty seconds yep. starting from now. Right, two one Bristol City. We're shit. They're not. They're huge. We're small. That Boom! Was, that, that was, was twenty. Four, that was four point three nine. <laughs> You've got to like fill that. the twenty seconds. Sure. No, you don't. There's no. There's no stipulation to say you have to fill the, exactly. uh, the twenty. Oh, seconds. right. I thought the whole point was you speak for twenty seconds and then you've got to try and make no, an argument. No. The job of a journalist sometimes is to be, you know, short, concise, and to the point, and he manages that, so he gets points for that. But mm. uh, it's just one way of doing it, lads. Don't let me put words in your mouth or whatever. All right. Right. We'll go with Gav next. Oof. Gav, you have 20 seconds starting from now. Uh, Bristol City 1, Sunderland 2. We're going to win because that's what we do. We do things the hard way and when people don't expect it. I think that the new striker score goal. I think Luar Luar have a stormer. And I think Lee Cantley throw one in. And we'll still come in next week and be very, 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 very happy with a win. I like that. That was bang on 20 seconds. Was, that was the info. Did you get that? With all the verys? Yeah, that was very, very good. <laughs> very, 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 very good. Very, very good. Right, Connor Bromley, it's it's nearly your turn. I hope you fuck <laughs> up just because I'm laughing you. <laughs> got a bit of news. Right, Connor Bromley from Blythe, you have 20 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Starting from now. Uh, Alright, Bristol City 1, Sunderland 0. Uh, I think Aidan Flint will score with a header from a. Co- oh, your phone's went off. I've got a distraction in there. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have taken that better. You had your phone on silent the whole time. Oh, that's a conspiracy that, like. I'm not- oh, this is a. Can I. Sorry to stop you. Rodwell's playing for the under 23s. That's what the text was. What? Oh. Right, well, we're not Hold the phone. Send Jack back. Rodwell's playing. All right, can I change my prediction now? Someone's going to win 1 0. Jack Rodwell's going <laughs> <laughs> right, to. You, you get take two, you're lucky here, you get take All two. All right, okay. Right, we'll reset. We'll not edit that out because that was funny as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> edit that out. Yeah, well, no, no, you're going to have a bit of swearing. We're a fan. We're a fan. I've said Bellin today, to be fair. So. Ooh, Bellin. 
Anyway. <laughs> That's right. a cheater. Connor Bromley, you have 20 seconds starting from now. Uh, Bristol City won, Sunderland nil. Aidan Flint will score, though the news that Rodwell's playing has changed my mind because obviously he's a brimming England centre-back. <laughs> Waiting to happen, a Premier League quality player. So if he plays, maybe we'll get a, a 1-0 win ourselves. Rodwell will mark Flint out the game, score a goal himself from a corner, do that box-to-box midfield thing as well, even though he's playing centre-back and he'll be amazing. And I honestly believe... Stop, 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 no! stop, stop. <laughs> oh, that was, that was 20.51 seconds and... You called Rodwell a brimming England centre-back. What's brimming? Can Rodwell brimming. just fuck off? What's brimming? Brimming, I don't know. Can somebody I mean, look up the, the Oxford Dictionary? You can say brimming. Very... Brimming just means full. And so he's a full Jesus. England centre-back. <laughs> and this will be news to no one by the time this podcast goes out, but Steele's in goal. Rodwell's playing at number six, which means he's playing centre-half. That's fucking right. awful. And then Johnny Williams is in the team. Like I said before, mm-hmm. very good. Well, there you go. Broke a report. Good. The best and for breaking the new striker, news. The new best Scottish for breaking kid. news He's on a podcast. Yeah. Even though you actually said before that the poll had got six hours left, but by the time we finished it, I, <laughs> oh, I, I didn't think of that. I. We're not shit hot with it. So the, this. So the poll is uh, finished, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you can't vote on it, but have a look anyway. We'll do a new poll. This on. podcast like a beef brisket. You slow and easy, and take your time with it, and then it I comes like out. Then after six hours, you get the finished product. Aye, aye. And to be fair, in town. No, but I, it's one of them pages on Facebook that just appears, and I say like unreal food. Yeah, yeah. They have like they have like milkshakes with like donuts and burgers on top of them. Like, this? whoa! The the Red's barbecue in town, right? They do this like in Sunderland town. No, I, no, Newcastle town. Sorry. I'm gonna get hammered for that. I don't know. <laughs> Fancy calling that town? Oh, that's I'm from Northumberland. Like, We're going to support fucking Blythe. I would. I might be in a similar league to Sunderland. Just when you said town, I thought Newcastle like. What's wrong with you, people? You're only people to, call you're me town to fuck the lot of you. I'm, like, from, I'm from Shields. <laughs> Get off this Sunderland anyway, podcast and go and support someone else. Red's Barbecue in Newcastle do a very, very good meal. You can get like a lovely mixed grill platter. I'm, I'm not, I'm not spending me money in Sunderland. I'm not eating. Are they paying us for the advertising? Are they paying us for the advertising? That's another point. If anybody wants to advertise, <laughs> get in touch. Genuinely, we were like in our chat. We were discussing which. Uh, Local businesses might want to sponsor this podcast. We're thinking we need a sponsor. We're thinking maybe Dixon's Butchers. If anyone from Dixon's in Tyne Dock are listening, we're not even looking necessarily for like a financial kickback. Just food will do us. Anyone really? I mean, if there's anyone listening to this who wants to sponsor a podcast, we can be easily bought. <laughs> is all I'm saying. Savoy Dips is a good start. Yeah, Savoy Dips is a very Four. good start. Just any, any form of food. Someone to supply the sweets every week. That would be good. Your oh, get Harry Boy in Imagine there. I could do a mint intro without your dedicated sweets sponsor supplier. Sweet Home Alabama. intro that year. Shut down, Dedicated sweets sponsor supplier. Shut down. Sweet Home Alabama was good. Done out in, by in, the supermarket. Sunderland Town Centre, Bromley. So, I know, right. Uh, I'm an idiot. You are an idiot, yes. And on that note... <laughs> Hopefully better times are ahead. Um, our our Bristol City preview podcast with Bristol Post writer George McGregor will be out on Thursday morning. Gregor McGregor. George, oh, Gregor McGregor. You can't read. Why? It's called Gregor McGregor. Gregor <laughs> McGregor. You might, you might not come on the show if you slate him. What's his, name? What's his name? What's his name? Sorry. Gregor McGregor. I his read that. His name's Gregor McGregor. I read that as Colin McGregor. You know, Sorry, Neville's dad is Neville McNeville. <laughs> well, you had, I think Gary Neville's dad was Neville Neville. Uh, Neville Muck Neville. <laughs> Neville Muck Neville. <laughs> <laughs> Neville Neville. The audience can't see this, but he's going purple and <laughs> crying. <laughs> What's just happened there? Neville um, Neville. Neville, Neville. Last night. I got confused. I meant to say Neville Neville. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Neville Neville. 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 Fuck Neville. Hey, McDonald's could I be didn't a good even hear you say that and just corrected you anyway. <laughs> they could have the Muck Roger report. <laughs> Connor McBromley <laughs> Right, let's pull ourselves together. It would work as well Because your name's Copley So it would be like James McOpley James McOpley James McOpley That's class That's ah, wonderful, I love it yeah. Anyway, right Hopefully better times ahead As was said So we have Bristol Post right there <laughs> Gregor McGregor Not Conor McGregor Don't don't get your hopes up on that That'll be out Thursday morning We've also got a special episode Of the pod coming out On Saturday morning We've been saying that for weeks but there's been too much going on so we haven't had a chance to release it that's on um, former Sullen goalkeeper Lee Richmond Roos with his biographer sponsor Spencer Vignes and Sunderland historian Paul Days subscribe to the show on iCast iTunes <laughs> iTunes iTunes no, so I'm, getting, I'm getting a FaceTime call from me cousin as we speak and I just looked down and it's it's Icast. Is it Icast ring? In fact, I might answer an answer. This has been a lesson in how to bollocks up the ending of a podcast. Hello, I'm, I'm doing the podcast. Can you ring us back? Okay, 
Right, sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, aye, so the special episode that was really bollocks this up, haven't we? We'll have our first guest on the show at least. We had a guest this week. What was her name? Eva. Eva. Eva's been B- on Big up to the Eva. <laughs> right, anyway, the more people that listen to us to ramble, ramble on, the better. So, aye, iTunes, Acast, YouTube. Get to share the pod as well. I will. Instagram's picked right up because we have Danny. Who's um, been good lad? He, he's been a fantastic lad. He, he just, this, this is this is how it works with Rotor Report. People listen to the podcast to get opportunities. Right, which is what happened. He was listening to the show and he said, "You know, I wouldn't mind being your Instagrammer." So and he's, he's doing a mint job. To be fair, yeah. um, you can find him over at Rotor Report on Instagram. It's going to have portraits. Our portraits going up soon. No, oh. he's not. <laughs> <laughs> right up already. What's he talking about? That'd be good, that man. Shut up and just let me get on with me out It's taking far too long. Listen, I've fucked it up far too many times. <laughs> anyway, Roker Report on Twitter with an at sign at the front, and what can be found on Facebook by searching Roker Report. Clarification. Just for clarification, nobody report with the at sign at the front. Nobody brought in hash brownies. <laughs> Uh, for this week's sweet, oh. we're just all a bit thick. And as always, and of course, you can be sure to check out all of our daily content over at rotorreport.com. Many a fantastic writer. Well, I I'm literally pulling the head. We've done in there, don't you, James? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. You, I'm going to have a week off one of these days and you can host it, right? That's a good idea. the <laughs> <laughs> oh, No one wants to listen to people from Blind Man Christ. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> goodbye. Bye. 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 A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.